Welcome to Out of Game Episode 7. In today's episode, we'll reveal the winner of our first ever contest, give a mini review of Dead of Winter, and discuss Sauce Boss and other game selection methods. This is your host, Ryan. Join me and Chris as we go out of game. Welcome to episode 7 of Out of Game. It's going to be an exciting episode. That's right. We're going to announce our contest winner, and someone's going to win some games. Tell them what they're going to win, Ryan. They're going to win a copy of One Night Ultimate Werewolf, Daybreak, and the Daybreak Playmat. Thank you, Bezier Games, once again, for providing those items for our contest yeah and thanks to everybody who participated in the contest we had quite a turnout it's a lot of fun for for us to host something like that yeah i was really happy with the with the results and the turnout and everything so i appreciate everyone entering and sending in questions yeah we got some good questions we did enough to generate some content so yeah serious content uh, to our uh, our list of uh, of items to talk about and everything so you know, we, i think we have a really smart audience i mean just in general the gaming community is smart people i mean people that you know they the questions some of them really rung my bell i mean it was i had to sit there and think like that's a really good question we could spend a lot of time on that then more and more came like that and it, it just occurred to me our audience is pretty smart yeah i completely agree yeah that's one good thing about the gaming community is you know like all right i'm gonna knock video gamers for a second here so if you're a video gamer just earmuffs but you know you like you play like an mmo game and you get like these these annoying people who you can tell just aren't they aren't with it we used to play those games i know <laughs> not, not every, we're not talking to ever about everybody you guys know what i'm talking about but you don't see that in the board game community for the most part and right. we definitely don't see with our listeners so um yeah, so we're going to discuss, uh, well, we're going to reveal the contest winner. And how are we going to do that? How are we going to reveal Well, uh, let me explain that. So, you know, I listen to some podcasts, and so I got to tell you, sometimes I enter these contests, and it's very anticlimactic when they, when they announce the winner. So we're going to try to make it a little more interesting. So I know, we know who the winner is. We, we decided the winner by straight random.org randomized number but we're going to reveal the winner in a more interesting fashion by doing rounds of elimination rounds of elimination so we got some teams here and we're going to go through those um and then later on we're going to talk about some dead of winter dead of winter we finally got to play yeah it was uh well you'll hear about it when we discuss it and then we're going to talk about sauce boss the sauce boss system the sauce boss you guys are probably wondering what the heck sauce boss is and i'm going to tell you up front I'm not going to explain the name of the sauce boss. I don't, I don't think anybody will <laughs> figure out what that is until we explain no, it. No, I'm not going to explain it, but if you ever see me in person, you can ask me about it, and I'll tell you. If, you, if we're at a convention, Gen Con, just approach me and ask me what sauce boss, where that name came from, and we'll tell you. Yeah, it's, it's a long story. Yeah, but we will tell you what the sauce boss system is. We're going to explain that later. And <laughs> I guess we didn't even say what sauce boss is. So if sauce boss is a method to determine what game to play, when you're on a game night. and right. that, that was the point of the segment. Is <laughs> to de- you know, different methods that people might might use to determine, you know, what games are we playing tonight? We have uh, 25 games here, if you're Ryan, 60 games. Which games <laughs> of these 60 are we going to play tonight? And uh, you can't sit there spinning in circles forever. Eventually, you got to, to pick a game. And every, 
It's amazing. People have some really interesting systems out there to determine what they're going to play that night. Right. So we're going to talk about some of those systems and, uh, you know, maybe share what our favorites are and what we use. Uh, So we're looking forward to that. Um, But, you know, before we get into that, I think it's time for Elimination Round number one. Number one. So in this Elimination Round, we have three teams. We have, what's the first team, Chris? Team King of Tokyo. Team King of Tokyo, which consists of the Aaron Dean, Antonitz, Mad Bana, 211 Chip, L Coffee, and R2 Byers. The second team in elimination round one is Team Agricola. Don't have any comment about the pronunciation? I'm there? fine with that. <laughs> team Agricola, which consists of Punchizzle, Elron 108. Brad Lemos, Gilvin Blight, and Tesseract 4. And the final... Oh, no. Those are the two teams. You said three teams. I did. There's only two because I looked at the line that said moving to next round and thought that was a team. Uh, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> two, two teams! You know what's worse is I didn't correct you. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you did just after the fact. Right. So, so of those two teams, which team is moving on? So, yes, we have a team moving on to the next round. And that team is... Good job. King of Tokyo team, you have moved on to elimination round two. So should we recap who's in King? Team, key team King of Tokyo is the Aaron Dean, Antonitz, Mad Bonnet, 211 Chip, L Coffee, and R2 Byers. They're still alive. Congratulations. We're sorry, team Agricola. Thank you for the great questions, and thank you for entering our contest. We hope you don't turn off the podcast now, because we're going to do some discussions now. And the first one is going to be about a game we played called... Dead of Winter. Dead of Winter. What a game. So I have some questions for you about this game, Chris. But first of all, um, maybe I'll just give a quick description of the game Dead of Winter off the top of my head because I have no notes written down. And talk about why this is a hot game right now, like what's going on in the industry. Uh, Yeah, this is a really hot game. It's been in the hotness for a while. And this is uh, Plaid Hat Games, who has pretty much never had a dud game uh, that I know of. This game came out... It was actually released at Gen Con last year, and they had piles of it there, but they all sold out. And then it was really hard to get. It's been really hard to get until recently, but it's been a hot game. Uh, as a, everyone's talking about this game, I've heard a lot of podcasts review it. And um, it's getting really good reviews, and it's moving up the, the BGG list uh, rankings. So in Dead of Winter, it's a cooperative game with a trader. Surprise, we like it. And in this game, you are you're you're specifically controlling a group of survivors, and you have you have multiple survivors on your team, and each player has a group a different group of survivors. But all these groups of survivors are living together in a colony. Okay, and so you have a you have a group leader, and then you have followers as your different survivors, and these survivors have different stats, like how well they can attack, and um, 
what was the other one? Oh, how well they can search. search. And then each survivor has a special power too, which I really like. Yeah. And there's a lot of survivors. I mean, when you stand up all the components, there's a there's just a ton of of different unique survivors you can have. And you you know, you get them by random draw and you start with a certain amount at the beginning. And uh, it's a cooperative game, but I think uh, there's two things that make this game really interesting. So we already mentioned there's a trader. That's that's not one of the two things, actually. The first thing that makes it very interesting is uh, each player has a secret objective that they're trying to complete. So in most cooperative games, you're you're just trying to win as a group, right? And then if there's a trader, the trader's trying to make everyone lose. Well, in this game... You have your own objective. So even if you guys defeat the main objective, if you don't fulfill your personal objective, you don't win. So you have two goals. Right. And you need both to win. Yeah. And that, that's a really interesting spin on this game because it adds a whole layer in there where you don't know why someone's doing the things they're doing because it seems very traitorous, the right. things they might be doing. And we'll talk about some traitorous things that Chris was doing when, in our game. Uh but they could just be trying to get their, their secret objective. So anyway, you have this secret objective. The second thing that's... Well, one thing I want to say quickly about the dual goal. The dual goal had a really interesting effect on the game, in my opinion, that you might not have noticed. With everybody trying to fulfill the main goal, there is a real sense that everybody was working together. And then the dual goal, obviously, you're in it for yourself. There, there was a sense that I had that it was very much like real life. Oh, uh, like, that's a, what a lot of people do. Like, for example, at your job, everybody's goal is to get their whatever their work done is. But everybody is also, a little, you know, there, there are some things that are people may or may not be selfish about or take their time to do, especially after a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Like the setting in this game, you can imagine, yeah, you're trying to survive. Yeah, you're trying to kill the zombies and, and, and meet your, your ultimate goal. But... You know, there might be something else that you want. You want to hoard the medicine, for example, <laughs> right. things like that. That it's it added an element that was very realistic. When I was looking at you and some of the other people in the game as we were playing, and I think this is where you were going, we were all a little bit suspicious of each other because right. because there was that selfish element. But we we all came together for the goal. It was it's just very different from the other co op games where there is no second goal, right? And I think it made it very lifelike yeah and there's other games this is it's actually classified as a semi-cooperative game but there's other semi-cooperative games out there and none of them as far as i can tell do it nearly as as good as this game you know another another um example of what you're talking about that i just thought of is the show survivor so like on your tribe you want your tribe to succeed but you all obviously have a personal goal of making it further than everyone else right plus you want to succeed with your tribe but you also end up stabbing everybody in the back right because you want to be the last one there yeah so and that that game i mean survivor the show is really just a it's like a social experiment about real life right that's true uh, and so is this game, really, <laughs> in a lot of ways. So, but but how this game plays out is, and I'm not going to go through all the actions, mostly because I can't remember them all. But you you have a lot of different things you can do on your turn. You roll these dice, and some of the dice let you do actions like attack and, and search if you roll a certain number, and those are those are based on your stats. Um, but a lot of what you're doing is you're going out to these areas outside of the colony. And you're searching for items that you need to fulfill like the objective for that right. round. Food, tools, medicine, things like that. Yeah. So like you'll flip a, a card over the beginning of every round, and it's like it'll be like okay, you need uh, 
you need a, a medicine for every person in the game. Right. Basically. It's like a crisis card. You, if you if you don't get if you don't meet that goal, right. bad things happen. So every round you have a goal you're trying to meet. So now that round you might be going out trying to get medicine. So obvious that there's a there's the hospital, which is the most likely place to get medicine. So you go out to the hospital and you search and you hope you get enough medicine. But you're playing these cards face down, these quote unquote medicine cards. You're claiming their medicine. You're playing them face down. But if you're the trader, you might be playing like card other cards which will count negative towards the amount of medicine that you need. Right. So every round there's like this this crisis you're you're trying to fulfill. In the meantime, zombies are like piling up on the board. So you're having to attack zombies and keep the the zombie threat down trying to keep them from overrunning the different gates on the colony and the gates to these different locations uh, that you're going to out on the board right and we have random uh survivors getting killed going out looking for stuff they don't come back you know and you had a chain (laughs) reaction in in the first game yeah where you you lost the game because somebody got bit by a zombie yeah you had to make another roll and then somebody else got bit and so on yeah, and that and that's actually I remember uh, last episode I think it was I mentioned that I love games with custom dice. So this game has yeah. an awesome like custom twelve sided dice die. Sorry, twelve sided die. And one of those sides is a tooth, which means that you get bitten. When you get bitten, you just die. Yeah, there's no second roll. You right. Just, that if the tooth comes up, you're dead. Yeah, and to give you an idea, I mean these uh, you start out with like six morale, and every time someone dies, you lose a morale. So you die, and then if there's anyone else at that location with you, that person has a choice to make, which I think is really interesting. So their choice is either to just die, which, and the reason that they have this choice is because it's like the the bite is spreading. So like my character got bit, they turn into a zombie or whatever, and now it's spreading. Like they're gonna bite Chris's right. Chris's character. So Chris has to decide. All right, do I just say my guy dies, or do I take do I roll? And there's a fifty fifty chance that I'll that I'll survive. But if I don't survive, I, if I don't make that 50-50 chance, then Chris is also going to die, and then it's going to go to the next person in the colony, and they're going to have the same decision. And every time someone dies, we're losing morale. Right, and that's how you lost. And, and this brings me to my first – so, okay, yeah, in, in, the first, in the first game, we rolled like five teeth, so we just lost. But this brings me to my first uh, <laughs> traitorous thing that Chris did. So we had someone die all right, from the bite. And then, it, luckily, it wasn't Chris's character. Some, we had another guy, Ross. His character was there. So he had the choice to die and stop the spread or to take the 50-50. And we were like, oh, no, you should just die because we can't lose another route. So, but Chris was saying that he should take the 50-50. So what was up with that? Yeah, I want an explanation. It's completely true. And is because I wanted to do that. Is that why you thought it was a traitor? That was the first game? thing okay. that made me suspicious. Yeah, yeah, I did, do, I did say that. And I think... The simplest answer is that I'm more of a risk taker. I, I honestly wanted, it's like the thrill of, is it going to cascade and kill everybody or not? <laughs> okay. It wasn't because I wanted it to happen. It's just interesting. And the other thing is I didn't like, I was very sensitive about losing the morale because I heard how you guys lost the first game. And so I didn't want to needlessly just like throw morale away. But we were going to lose we, it either way. Oh, well, so you, you were hoping we would win and not lose yeah, the second morale. Exactly. So you're you're guaranteed to lose a second morale versus possibly losing no more, and that that's what I was going for. But how come you didn't explain any of that when you did it? 
You're, you're just like, no, you should take the role. And then when we, we convince him not to, you're like all annoyed about it. Yeah, I, that's because I don't, and this goes back to our ADHD, <laughs> OCD discussion. I, I don't explain my reasons okay. very well. I need to work on that. Yeah, well, I, I mean, maybe if you explained it, it would have made you more suspicious too. <laughs> it might have been good just to drop it. Yeah, and in the end, it didn't matter because we, we ended up winning. But the, the, the point is when you're making group decisions like this, you have to look at each other and watch their behavior to see who's out of line. Yeah. You know what, though? If you would give me that explanation during the game, I would have been totally thinking you were the traitor. Really? If your explanation was, I'm just a risk taker. I want to see if he's going to die or not and if it's going to kill everyone. Like yeah, that, that, it's the truth. That's uh, not really a great argument to make. Yeah, and one of my characters had the ability to take cards from people. Yeah. You didn't like that too yeah, much. Yeah, let, let's talk about that. So, uh, so Chris had this character called Greybeard. And this guy looked like um, he, he looked like a really ugly old chick with a mustache, and he had like a trench coat and a gun. And I, so I'm just picturing this really annoying like transvestite guy taking my stuff with a gun because for some reason he's like a he's like a like a like a really good shot with his gun. Oh my god! He had the best attack score of anyone. So he had, his special ability was that he could just take stuff from other people. And Chris did it every single turn. Right. Well, it was free, so it didn't cost me anything. In other words, I wasn't sacrificing getting food for the group in order to do this ability. It was a free action that it was in addition to all my other actions. So from my point of view, the reason is I knew that I wasn't a traitor. I knew my goal was to survive and for the whole team to survive. But I was not sure about the rest of you. You may or may not be true to the group so i felt that your cards were better in my hands knowing that i was safe okay that was my logic i knew that you wouldn't like losing cards right but you know (laughs) if it's not it would have been different if i was sacrificing something you ever you still had one card in my hand you freaking stole it it from me yeah that was so annoying and and your resistance to to that made me suspect it was just annoying to to lose my one card it was like what am i going to do on my next turn now i have no cards yeah that's true uh, so, but what's that, that's what's great about this game, though, is because it made you look so <laughs> suspicious. Right. Every round, he was stealing stuff, and so at the end, your your what was your secret objective? Do you remember? It was to have, I think, three medicine cards. Okay, so yeah. was that part of the reason that you were taking stuff from people? No, it wasn't. I your, already had your those secret cards. objective. No, it was because I didn't trust anybody. You know, I was I was a little bit suspicious, and I knew. I knew that I was going to use the cards efficiently. I didn't know um, if any of you were or were not. So worst case, we're the same as we would have been if you were not traitors. Worst case. Best case, I'm taking cards away from the traitor. So I guess I I actually never – let me explain. So the second thing that that makes this game really unique is the crossroads. Crossroads, Yeah. yeah. So uh, the crossroads card, whoever, like on my turn, the person to my right, they, they flip up this crossroads card. And this is the biggest stack of cards in the game. So there's a lot of these. And the person to my right, he doesn't read anything out loud. He just looks at it. And there's something in the, at the very top that if I do that action that, that it says in the card, then, then we have to stop the game and then read this, this crossroads card. Right. It's almost like an event trigger. Right. The, 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 the player whose turn it's not is looking at this card and waiting for an event to trigger that may or may not happen on the active player's turn. If nothing happens, then the card is discarded at the end of the turn. But as long as that turn is going on, this guy is watching right. the board and the decisions, 
And then all of a sudden, possibly this event triggers. Right. And the events could be something sim- as simple as um, uh, the player moves one of one of their characters this round. Uh, you know, and that could trigger the crossroads. And right. these crossroads, they're first of all, they're really well written. Like they're they're interesting. They're like elements of story that are added into the game, the overall story of the game. And so you read this like paragraph of flavor text, which I found really interesting to mm-hmm. listen to. And then the person whose turn it is has some sort of choice that they have to make. Mm-hmm. And that choice could it might give them some benefit, but also have some downside depending on what they choose. And, you know, like for one of them, um, there's a choice to bring a new character into the game under that person's control. Uh, you know, that, and that's just one example. And these are all really interesting. And this is actually a system that Plaid had is, is they're calling it the crossroads system, which means they can attach this to any other th- themed game that they think it's of. It's a great dynamic to the game. I yeah. loved it. It keeps the other players interested too. While somebody's doing their turn, you know, there's a t- some people kind of a tendency to check out when the turn may be going a little slow or whatever. But the crossroads card makes you, especially for the person holding the card, you're 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 um, you're motivated. You're integrated into that turn a lot more. And I, I can completely see them using this in other games. Right, it's a great idea. So <clears throat> this is my this is my main question. I think we were doing something wrong though. Oh. I think when, when the person whose turn it is is given a choice via the crossroads card, I think they should make the choice without any help from the rest of the board because it's their turn. They're like off somewhere doing something. We did a lot of collaboration with those cards, like what's best for the group to right. make this choice. I would. I, we should probably look at, at the rules for that. And, and I think it would be more interesting if you had to make the choice without help. Because that also gives you a chance if you're the trader, or even to look for your secret goal. You know your mo- your motivations are somewhat selfish, and I think that they're supposed to be interesting. So I think that's a good idea. And something something else that I've heard of people doing is I actually tried to look at the cards to see if this was possible, and on some of them I didn't think it was. But when you're reading the two options, you could make it more thematic by not actually explaining the results of your choice. So you would give the the thematic choice, but not the actual game elements that would change as a result of that choice. I've heard of people doing that just to make the game more thematic. How is it in the rules? It doesn't say. This is none of that is really described. So I think it's up to the the players. Yeah, to I decide. think that would be that would be fun. I think right. to not when just give the thematic choices like. Do you leave the store or do you stay in the store after mm-hmm. you read your thing? And without knowing what the result, what the in-game result is going to be. Right. Yeah. It, it, make, it would make it more of like a choose-your-own-adventure type yeah, thing almost. Exactly. Or an RPG. Yeah. So, um, but, but I want to get to my main question. So, first of all, Chris, let, let's hear your opinion of the game overall. And then I'll ask my question. I loved the game. And, and I, I know where Ryan's going with this. He's going to come up with... Uh, <laughs> A reason why I shouldn't like the game, based on the, the the game mechanics. But I had a great time playing this game. My attention was most for the most part on the game. Uh, it was fun to see what people did, and to, whenever there's a trader element, you can't help but be captivated by what people do because you don't know 
is so and so are they trying to sabotage the group? Are they purposely not adding food to the food bin? You know, you you just your imagination starts running away with you. I mean, I thought you might have been the traitor. You thought I was the traitor. Neither of us were. That that kind of thing is fun. So that that had a huge element. The second goal is what did it for me, though. I love the second goal. Okay. Uh, we've talked about co-op games before, and one of the biggest problems with co-op games is there's no sense of individual accomplishment as you're playing the game you're playing as the group and while there is an element of fun to that it's it's also interesting at the end of the game to see who won and who lost on an individual basis because you want your choices in the game to have meant something at the end and so that that was number two reason and number three was the crosswords card yeah that added so much to the game for me that it, any doubts I had, it put me, put it over the top. And the other the other thing that we didn't touch on yet was when your characters died via the zombie bite or other things that could happen. The way that new characters are spawned in, it's almost like you don't miss a beat. You know, as long as you get the proper card that allows you to spawn a new a new character. Right. There, like Ryan said earlier, there's so many of these uh, survivor characters sitting out. You just you know randomly pull one and. And um, and then you don't miss a beat. You you're back to where you were. You know, making your choices and helping the group. So yeah. those were the reasons that, that I liked it. So two quick uh, side things. Something I want to do next time is when when people die, I want to start. I want to use those standees as zombies because I thought that would be thematic. Yeah. Just, as long as it doesn't confuse us, you know, that they're actual players. Um, and I forgot the second thing. But but so my main question really. Um, oh, I know what my second thing was. The the crossroads system, I heard the next game they're making in it is the theme is going to be Lost in Space. Interesting. Which I think would be really cool. But anyway, I want to get to my question. So there were at least two, maybe three times I looked over at you during the game and you were on your phone, which is a, which is usually an indication <laughs> that you were, you were totally checked out of the game. So I was actually surprised how much you liked the game yeah. afterward. So you okay, have to so explain let me, that. Let me explain about my phone. So first of all, it's considered rude anywhere. Like, like when I'm at an appointment with my psychiatrist, for example, <laughs> I don't want to take my phone out in the middle, you know, of my session. You, if you're on a date, or if you're doing having dinner, if mm-hmm. you're at a restaurant, if you're at the movies, the, the, if you're gaming with your friends, it's rude to take your phone out. It's, it's one of those things you're just not supposed to do. But there is an exception to that for ADHD sufferers. And, you know, my daughter gave a great example that she has a, just to deviate for a second, one of the students in one of her class classes has ADHD, completely diagnosed and everything. And in school, you're not allowed to have your phones out ever. I mean, it's, you're, you're in class, you're supposed to pay attention. This kid is able to have his phone and have an, one earbud in his ear as the class is going on because it helps him to concentrate. And it's very weird to the other kids there. First of all, why is he allowed to do it? And then second of all, how is that helping him? That's insane. When she told me that story, I completely got it. I 100%, I said, oh, my God. If they had this when I was in school, I would have been a completely different student. So when you see me on my phone, like when we were playing the game, it's not that I wasn't interested in the game, but there was a lull, and I need to do something. <laughs> I, I can't just not do something. My phone, it's almost like, like a baby's pacifier. Like it, it pacifies me. It fills in those gaps where there's like this idle 
ness that I, I I can't handle. And I admit that it's very dysfunctional and weird, but it, it, it's it's just the truth. Well, honestly, though, it doesn't it doesn't bother me that you're on your phone. Yeah, but you it did in a sense that you might have thought I wasn't enjoying the game. Well, right. So I, it just it surprised me that you how much you liked the game though because I saw you on your and there was one time you you took it out and I stopped you. I don't know if you remember that. I, I like, remember that. I like caught you getting it out, and then you stopped and you put yeah, it back. That's because you don't like it. Well, I was worried that you were going to check out, right? Because usually, once the phone comes out, it's hard to bring you back, right? Well, the other thing is, if you notice early in the game, that was happening more because people were a little clunky. We were still learning. I mean, I remember taking turns, not knowing what to do, and you know, you're explaining the rules, and we're we're going along. Later in the game, we were rolling, yeah. so that was happening a lot less. Yeah, and honestly, we played with five, and I felt like five might have been a little bit too many people. I think playing with four is probably better. We played four the first game. It just seemed to move quicker. With five people, it, it seemed a little bit too long in between your turns. Yeah, that's quite possible. And, I, and it definitely extends the time because everyone has the same amount of stuff they have to do on their turn, regardless of if it's four or five players. Right. Uh, you're just trying to get more of like if it's it's the most of the crisis cards where you need a number of of some item based on the number of players. So if you have four, it's four. If you have five, it's five. So you're just having to get more of the same stuff. Right. And to your point, we're we're playing Cosmic Encounter on the other table with three people. Yeah. And the we had never played that game with so few people. The game flew. It was it was so quick and fast. And I, I, I don't want to say more fun, but it might have been because it's so it's just moving along quicker, mm-hmm. you know. And I think with um, Dead of Winter, it's going from four to five has got to be yeah, got to slow down. Yeah, I think bit. three or four. I, I liked it with four. I don't know, three might not be interesting enough. I think four is probably the right. perfect number in my mind. So, um, and as far as my opinion, uh, I remember a long time ago I told you how I've kind of soured on Battlestar Galactica, right? And that this game might be a replacement for that. Well, that's totally valid. I think this game has completely replaced Battlestar Galactica. Like I, I could probably go the rest of my life and never have to play Battlestar Galactica again. And because this game has a lot of the same mechanics, but they're way easier to remember. Well, if they make a Lost in Space version of this game, you definitely won't need to play Battlestar. Galactica. That's true. Yeah, that would but, pre- pretty much eliminate it. Place the planet. I hear what you're saying. It's hard to go back to any of the games, even Shadows Over Camelot, or any of those types of games with this game available. Yeah. Because this game has everything those games have and, and then more. Yeah, the, the difference between this and Shadows is um, some people may not like the zombie theme. And I think Shadows is as easy to remember the rules as this one. So, But Battlestar, the rules are really complex. Like Every time we play it, no matter how many times we've played it, we always have to look in the rule book. For something, right? Either it's the the AI movement or what's right. the attack value of the base star. There's right. just all this junk you need to look up, and it just gets so old looking it up all the time. Right. So yeah, I I still like shadows, but I I, I think I, I'm not I'm actually not sure if I like this better than shadows or not. But I really? definitely like it better than Battlestar. I, I'm shocked. I really there's things about shadows I really like. Like what? I, I like the the miniatures. I like the art in the layout the better. Yeah, I like the theme. I don't know. There's just something about that game that I really like. Yeah. I think it's a really interesting game. Well, the other difference is that the, the um, Dead of Winter, the trader element is less than fifty percent, which is very interesting. Yeah. And the other games are not like that. 
You have a much greater chance of a traitor. So there's actually there's an identical variance in this game that is in Shadows. So actually, the way we did it, we the way we did uh, Dead of Winter was the normal rules, which are if you do Shadow, if you play Shadows over Camelot, it's the exact same rules. You have um, uh, two normal cards per person, and then one traitor card. But whenever we play Shadows, we use a variant, which is you only have one normal card per person and one traitor card. So it greatly increases the chances of there being a traitor. That makes Shadows a much worse game, though. If you have so little of a chance of a traitor without the concept of a dual goal, like you have in Dead of Winter. So now you're playing Shadows, and the odds are pretty good. You're all doing working for the same goal and it's right incredibly non-interesting at that point which is why i think we always do the variants when we play that right. so there's it's, there's usually a traitor um and this one this game has the same exact variant which we didn't use but maybe we should try it next time if we want there to be a higher likelihood of a traitor yeah and i think they don't have that by default for a good reason because of the second goal right it, you almost don't even need the the traitor's element is awesome just the threat of it Right. We didn't have one in our game, but the, just the having that chance of it is worth it. You don't need the greater than 50% chance of one as long as there's a dual goal. Right, because the dual goal, it makes you do things that are suspicious. Right. You know, and it's you're always like on the lookout for what people are doing. Right, plus it gives you something to worry about besides the trader. Right. If you don't have the second goal, then all you have to do is worry about the trader. So uh, just a quick, well, trying to, I don't want to take too long on this, but... When you're playing a game like this, would you feel better if you made everyone else lose? If you weren't, you're not the traitor, okay. But would you feel better if you were the only one? Absolutely. Who won? So, but should that winning? If we all win versus, let's say that let's say that we played with five people, yeah, and let's say that we all won versus you and Tim win. Mm-hmm. What, what what would be more fun for you? I don't know. That's why I'm asking. I don't know that I would be more fun for me either way. I think this shows how much more selfish I am than you. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> because you're, you're, I'm just being honest. I would have more fun if I if I won and less people won alongside with me. So would you if you knew that you were going to fulfill your secret objective, would you tank the whole would you try to tank the whole game so nobody no, because wins? If you no, because then you don't meet your team goal. No, I'm saying if you knew that you weren't going to meet your secret objective, which right. means you can't win. Would you right. try to tank the main objective? No, absolutely not. Why not? Well, because if I don't, if we don't get the main objective, then I still don't win. Right, but you're preventing everyone else from winning, so nobody wins. It's like a tie. Yeah. You, mean, if, you mean if I have no chance to win? You have no chance of getting oh, your I'm secret sorry. objective. I'm, I understand. I was confused by your answer. Yeah, yeah. Now I get you. That's a really, <laughs> you know, you have to be honest. It would cross my mind. Yeah. I mean... Is that bad? No. Well, this is a this is actually a question that people ask about a ga- about semi cooperative games. Is making everybody lose because you're not going to win? Is that bad form or not? Because technically, you're tying everyone rather than losing. That's it. Tells you a lot about a person. Uh, because a Ross is the only one that didn't win. In the five players game that we played, four of us won, one of us didn't. So put yourself in his shoes. Yeah. If how would he feel being the only one who didn't meet his objective versus tanking it? Which he could have done, <laughs> or you know, he could have at least tried, so that nobody won. Yeah, I I, I, I wouldn't. 
I, I would I would understand if he did that. Yeah, it'd be hard to argue it. It would be hard to it argue. It would probably be a little annoying, but yeah. honestly, I think I might laugh about it. Yeah, I would if, laugh about if it. If he tanked the game and then we found out he wasn't the traitor and he was just trying to cockblock everyone else from winning. Yeah, the funny thing about that is that Ross is probably the last person to do that. <laughs> You know, he, he's a nice guy. I think of all of us, I think probably Dave would be the yeah, first. Totally. And so probably, Dave would take the game even if he was going to win. Right. He might just take it. Just it, because he felt like yeah, it. Yeah, just to be annoying. Yeah. And then I think you and Tim probably wouldn't. And I, I would be on the cusp of being like Dave probably. The thing is that I don't think I would ever – I would never – it'd be hard to really feel like you. Could, there's no chance you could complete your objective. Like, by the time you got to that point, it would have to be the very end of the game. Like, I would always feel like there was hope of getting it, I would think. Right. It, but on that last turn, he knew. Aras yeah. knew he wasn't going to meet his objective. And he could have he damaged. I don't know if he could have tanked it, but he could have seriously hurt our chances. Well, I think he had the choice of because... We didn't know what the heck he was doing. Right. We were telling him to do something, and he wasn't listening to us. So right. we all thought he was the traitor. Right. And it turned out he was just trying to get his secret objective. But right. he did choose as his very last action, instead of drawing another card, which could have potentially got him his objective, he chose to do what we said. Yeah. But he could have just he why did he could have just gone for it yeah. because so he that to was lose. actually the test. Yeah. He had the test. I think he did, and he passed. If you if you want to say that passing means you take right. one for the team. Right. <laughs> so interesting stuff. So it's it was overall it was a really good game. Yeah, and I and I really liked it too. And I got to play it twice, which was great. I played that was the only thing I played in our game night. Yeah. I taught it twice to to half the game group the first time and half the other time. So um and we had a, a loss and a win. So Dead of Winter, um I, I highly suggest you find someone who has a copy of this game and play it or just go buy it. Is it available? It is now. It's been it's been more widely available, and I got a pretty good deal on it from Card House Games. Um, if you want to check their site, I'm not sure if they have copies, but um, I got it for like forty dollars when everyone else was selling it for full price. Yeah. So I was pretty happy. Nice. Dead of winter. All right. Well, now that the winter is dead, it's time to kill some people in the contest. Elimination round number two. Elimination round number two. <laughs> So in this round, we're going to split up Team King of Tokyo into one, two, three. It's three teams. Is it three? Okay. Yes. So to make sure, three teams. So we have Team Cyclades. What? What team is that? Hey, I got a comment. <laughs> Good oh, job. oh, Team Cyclades. Yeah. Okay. And which consists of the Aaron Dean and Antonitz. And then we have Team Lifeboats. Lifeboats. And that is Mad Bana and 211 Chip. And finally, we have Team Battlestar Galactica with L. Coffee and R2 Byers. So with this round, those three teams, are we going to say which team moves on or which team is eliminated? We are going to eliminate a team. Okay, so there'll be two teams left. Just like people getting bitten by the zombies. Here we go. So the team that is not moving on to the next round and not the winner of the werewolf games is right wait i should say that i shouldn't say that in an excited voice team sick ladies we're sorry team sick ladies we (laughs) 
Sorry, you've been eliminated. We're sorry, Team Cyclades. You didn't move on. But Team Lifeboats and Team Battlestar Galactica. Still alive. You move on to the semifinal round. Congratulations. To be a great champion, you must believe you are the best. If you are not, pretend you are. And now it's time for some fake it till we make it. Fake it till we make it. So didn't really explain this last time uh, what fake it till we make it is. So just to rehash, we are uh, our, our end goal here is to make it on the Dice Tower Network, which should be the end goal of all podcasts related to board games. And we, uh, you know, since we're not a member of the Dice Tower Network, we're just pretending that we are. So what we do is every episode or almost every episode, we just answer questions from the Dice Tower podcast episode as if we were contributors to the show. You know, to give us some practice for when we make it. So we're faking it. So anyways, last week's question was, which game gives you the most bang for the buck? Yeah, and the, that's an interesting question. And like their other question, which was the Ron Settlers of Catan. Yeah. It's very vague. I mean, what, what exactly <laughs> do they mean by this? And you had mentioned you were listening to another podcast where... The, the, the two hosts had completely different interpretations of this. Well, the two hosts of the Dice Tower who wrote the question. <laughs> yeah, that tells you something right there. <laughs> so I think I'm getting the sense that the Dice Tower makes these ambiguous on purpose. Right, which is, that, that's nothing wrong with that. I like that because it allows for better discussion. We love you, Dice Tower. Don't, don't exclude us. <laughs> yeah, I, biggest bang for the buck. I, I, looked, I didn't even look at it from a cost standpoint when I thought about this question. Okay. It was... Bang for the buck, meaning what kind of game has the quickest, you know, uh, like set up and tear down? Oh. Like you can. So the buck for you is time. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I, I was thinking King of Tokyo, uh, Resistance, One Night Werewolf, games that are fast, that you play quickly, you, you, you have a lot of fun condensed into a short period of time. Okay. And then really quickly you can move on to another game. Maybe if you're in between, if, you know, the rest of your group is starting a new game or something. So, you know, those those are the games that came to mind for me. What would be the number one of the, of all those? The best time investment, I guess, is how, how you, you would. know it would probably be One Night Ultimate Werewolf, which happens to be the game we're giving away tonight. That's true. I, I kind of expected that. Only I steered away from it on purpose. Right, but, I understand. But I, I completely... if, I were, if I was forced to pick something else, I may pick Resistance. Yeah. Even though those games can run long sometimes, you have a lot of control over how fast those games go, if you want to move it along quickly or not. And it's there's there's no clunky board. It's just very easy. Yeah. Even though the game itself can be frustrating, right. it, the, the, the playing of the game is easy. Yeah. So what, what about you? What is your... So like, I, biggest bang for the buck. Like I stay, like I said, I, I steered away from the W games, although okay. all of them would apply, especially the main W for seven dollars. Um, but I, I have two answers. One of them is kind of a W game, which is uh, Witch Hunt, which is free print and play. So that's obviously. But I, but I did take this as money, and my my real answer might be surprising. Uh, is actually a, a role playing game. I think I think a role playing game. So I guess this would technically be like buying the player's handbook for D and D or Pathfinder or GURPS, you know, right. because uh, the amount of <laughs> you could buy one of those books and you could play that your entire life. Yeah. And you, what did you spend like thirty bucks on the book? Maybe right, random expansions here or there, but you could certainly 
go a good year. Yeah. I mean, uh, at least just yeah. on one purchase. And I think, you know, this may have, it's probably supposed to be a board game, but like, I think that to me, of honestly, of all games out there, I think that's for the money you spend, like the yeah. amount of enjoyment you get out of a game like that is it's astronomical. I mean, you get way, you way get your money's worth. Uh, so that would be my answer. All right. And then this week's question is, not related to bang for your buck at all switching gears is what do you want to see when you enter a board game cafe yeah and this is another vague one (laughs) you know what do i want to see a case with a million dollars sitting there uh is can that be my answer are you sure (laughs) well i'll let you answer this one first okay well let's when when i thought about this so i if you're not familiar with board game cafes, uh, the main, the one that's the most popular is Snakes and Lattes in Toronto, where it's a coffee shop that has some food items, but they also have shelves and shelves of games. I think that cafe, I think I heard they have the largest game collection of any establishment in North America. Does that include your house? Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're, they have the same shell. They use the same shelves as I do, but it's like wall to wall and through the entire store. And then they have like an archive section because they don't get rid of games. They just send them to the archives, oh which is like the upstairs or something. And it's just full of games. The it's archives. ridiculous. Wow. So anyways, I think if I were to go into a board game cafe, I think one of the main things I would want to see is, is a lot of tables. I would want, and what I mean by that is I wouldn't want to go in and, and there's like nowhere to sit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that would be so frustrating. To, like you're you go out with your friends or, or your your girlfriend, or your spouse, or whatever. You want to go hang out at this this board game cafe, and then the place is full. I, I think a board game cafe has to be large enough to accommodate a lot of people, because you might have like people doing their game nights there. You might have people having parties there, you know, on like every night. So there has to be like a lot of tables. Yeah, and we've had that problem at Gen Con with some of the rooms where they have the game set up yeah and they're, they're just full there's right no, there's nowhere to sit and i think another important thing for board game cafe is they have to have staff there that can teach games efficiently and teach them well so the, the point of these places is you know you're supposed to be able to go in some dude's gonna walk up to you he might take your order it might be something else because you're gonna order coffee or or food or whatever but then they can help you figure out what type what game to play and not only that, they can bring it over to you and teach you how to play it. That would be great for someone like me who has 43 unplayed games on my shelf. <laughs> you know, instead of me sitting down for hours reading rules, I could just you know spend a $5 cover charge, which is typical to these places, and go sit at a cafe and have, have someone else teach me because they're going to have the game there. Yeah, so lots and lots of games with knowledgeable staff, I think, and lots of tables. Yeah, one of the things that I had... That I don't think you would agree with necessarily because of your um, desire to learn new games is if I went into a place like that, I'd want to see games that I know already. You know, I want to, I don't want to go there to learn a game, Hmm. although I don't mind it. I would rather go there to play a game. You know, you're going with your friends, you're hanging out and you want to, you know, let's have a. I don't know, pick up game of Cyclades, for example. Right. I bet and I've never heard of that game. <laughs> it's a pretty fun game. Okay. So first of all, you're right. You need space. And we've, like I said, we've seen this where some of these places are out of room. If I go in there, I'd want a table. And interestingly, I didn't even think about that. So I think that's a really good answer. 
Um, but I, I want to see something familiar when I'm there. Okay. I, I, I would rather learn like some other time and I would rather just play. I just want to play. So I want to get right into it and like, like create some interesting memory in a game um, by doing something different within a game we already know. So we don't spend a lot of time on the rules. But, you know, we have some of these games that are, they have, we do metagaming afterward, you know, because right. they're like, not legendary, I don't want to be overly dramatic, but they're, they have lasting memories. Because, uh, yeah, there's something interesting that happens. It, it leaves a story behind. Yeah. And that doesn't happen when you learn a game. I mean, that, that's typically what happens after you've, you already know how to play the game and you're playing again. Except for Dead of Winter. Well, I don't know. I mean, you knew how to play that game. You had already played it. So for us, I didn't feel like I was learning the game. Maybe after the first five minutes. But I guess, to be fair... When you've seen that mechanic before, there's really not much to learn. Yeah. Like, we've done Shadows, we've done Battlestar. So, playing Dead of Winter, all right, so we're zombies instead of Cylons and whatever. Um, so, it's, it's not that hard to learn. Do you, want to help, you know what helps you get to that place? Learning more games. <laughs> the more games you know, the easier it is to learn new ones. Yeah, but then for, for every Dead of Winter, you have a game like that, that pirate game we played at Nathan's. The pirate game. I, I thought you liked that right. game. No. Libertalia? No, I'm not a fan. No, you never told me you didn't like that one. I didn't like you, that. you seemed okay with it after we were done. Well, it wasn't like you I hated like, it, but it was, yeah. I don't need to play that game again. Huh. I mean, we could have played Cyclades, for example. What is that? It's a pretty interesting game where you, you bid on these Greek gods. <laughs> oh, I've been meaning to tell you. I think you have a favorite designer and you don't realize it. So the, the designers of Cyclades, also known as Cyclades apparently, <laughs> is Bruno Cathala, who is also the designer of Five Tribes. Interesting. Interesting fact. And, and what's interesting about that, this is a total tangent, but when we were talking about Five Tribes, you, you mentioned some connection to, to Cyclades. And <laughs> no, I, didn't, I didn't. I never said that. <laughs> Okay, well, you might have said something else, but you mentioned a connection to this game, uh, that this other game that he designed, which yeah. I didn't make that connection, but you did. So you actually, you must have saw something That's there. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I think that might be your favorite designer. Could be. I, I do like both of those games. Yeah. So anyways, uh, those were our uh, Dice Tower question answers, answers to questions. I think that means it's time for another elimination round. It is. Elimination round number three. Who's left? So we have Team Lifeboats, which consists of Mad Bana and 211 Chip. And Team Battlestar Galactica with L Coffee and R2 Byers. And this round, we're going to say who is moving on to the final round. Will it be Team Lifeboats or, or Team Battlestar Galactica? It's going to be one of those two. There's no third team this time. And moving on to the final round... For a chance at winning One Night Ultimate Werewolf, Daybreak, and a Daybreak Playmat, compliments of Bezier Games is... Battlestar Galactica! Congratulations, Battlestar. Congratulations to L Coffee and R2 Buyers. You will be in the final round. One of you two will win the prize. Yes, you will. Unless I screwed this up somehow. <laughs> no, I think you're good. <laughs> All right. And I think, Chris, it's time to move on to our main discussion, which is Sauce Boss and other game boating methods. 
So tonight's main discussion topic is Sauce Boss. Sauce Boss. Sauce Boss and other game voting methods. So what we wanted to discuss was what are some different ways to choose what game to play on a game night? And we've got a few here. Uh, I'm just going to go through some of the ones that I know about, and then we'll talk about the ones that we actually use. So the first, the first method, which I think is probably... The most used. The most used. It's probably the worst one in my mind, though, which is just informal consensus. I don't know if it's the worst one, but it's very frustrating because I think informal consensus sounds the best. Right. People don't want to have to use a system right. to pick a game. So they just, you know, what games are here? Let's just talk about it. But inevitably, what happens... Right. You can't decide. Right. It's so we, annoying. We do this all the time in our group yeah. where people prefer the informal consensus, but we can't... We just spin. We spin, we spin, we spin. And then pretty soon, before you know it, we're talking about what's going on at work and what movies have you seen. Right. Them. And we, we never get to the game. Right. And so informal consensus, I think, is the reason that we had to create a discussion topic about this. Because I think this is typically what groups do. And you waste time. You're, my gaming time is very valuable to right. me. And if we're going to waste time, just I mean, it's okay to like have some conversation and stuff. But if we're having conversation because we can't choose a game, that's really frustrating. Right. It's, let's just choose a game and start playing. We can talk while we're playing. So informal consensus where you just kind of try to collectively decide. And the bigger your group is, the harder this is. So if you've got a group with like nine or ten people, which we have, right. this just gets harder and harder. And then you got to figure out well, who's going to play in what game and this and that. So right. informal consensus, it is a system. Well, it's not even a system, but it's, it's, it's a method. It's an option. Yeah, it's an option. Not a good option. So the second option is the dictator or dictation oh, method. yeah. Where... Someone like me who brings all the games, they just decide what you're going to play, and you have to deal with it or go home. That's dictation. Do you rotate dictatorships? No. So I don't think so. always the same person? It should, be the, it should be whoever is the host or whoever, whoever is bringing owns. games. Okay. Now, I guess if, you, if everyone was bringing games, then, yeah, you'd have to rotate it, I guess. So you could do a rotating dictator. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the advantage of the dictator is, you know, it's quick. The it is quick. dictator just picks a game and sets it up, and you got to play it or, right. or leave or watch. There, there is there is an elegance to that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you know, we're not going to go into t- too much about the dictator, but uh, that is that is an option. The dictator. Um, now we're going to talk about what I'm calling the Eric Summer. So Eric Summer is uh, the co-host of the uh, the Dice Tower podcast, uh, and he always talks about his pick list. This is the method they use to to pick games, and uh, his his group that he plays in is very is a very thinky group. They seem to seems like they like heavier strategic games, so they're like total gamers. All right, so this makes perfect sense for a group uh, for his group, and he always talks about uh, he always mentions the pick list. So somebody asked him, you know, what is the pick list? Can you describe the pick list? So I'm going to do my best to explain the Eric Summer. So in the Eric Summer. At the beginning of the year, the group leader, which is probably the host, I would guess, um, or the, the game ambassador, if you will, uh, they, they put all the names of the regular group uh, members into a, a hat and they shuffle them and they draw them out. And then that, that defines a random order for that year. Okay. And that, that is the quote unquote pick list. So this is the order of, 
of people that are going to get to pick games. So it's a dictatorship, sort of. You're, well, you're just dictating the... Well, yeah. Because whoever's yeah. name is on that is That's a dictator. True. That's true. Um, but there are some differences to the okay. dictator. Um, so the the first person on the list or the next person on the list is a better uh, explanation. They choose the first game. Okay, so th- that person gets first game. They get to play it no matter what. Then if there's enough... Uh, people in the group to have two tables of games, which would be the case for our group. The next person on the the list has a choice. They can either play in the first game and which would defer their vote to later in the night, or they could select a second game and they would start the second table with the second game. Okay. Now it goes to the third person, depending on what the second person does. So if the second if the second person on the list decides to play in the first game, then it goes to the next person, all right, which is the third person on the list. That person has to choose a game to play on the second table. So it ends this, this cycle. Okay. All right, so let's say I chose Dead of Winter and it came to you. You could either play Dead of Winter or choose a game. If you decide to play Dead of Winter, then the person after you gets, has to choose a game to play on the second table. All right. So and then once once that's all done, then everyone else just decides which game they're going to play in. All right, so that's how the the two tables uh, get going. Now, uh, let's say one game finishes way before the others. Uh, so that group will just continue down the pick list with just the people that are there. So it'll just do the same exact thing. Now there's a couple of things. If you miss a game night and your pick comes up, you forfeit your pick. You Wait, lose it. These picks carry over into yeah. the next Yeah, like, so this is an ongoing list. So like the list might be you know, me, you, Tim, Nathan, or Ross. And only me, you, and Tim get to pick a game. So next game night, Nathan will be first and then a Ross. Wow. So it's a rotating list. What if you list. somebody new to the group? Well, that's why it's the regulars. So at the beginning of the year, this all resets. And, and actually, having the regulars do it makes, makes sense to me, especially if the people who aren't regular don't know a lot of games. So at the beginning of the year, the the, the game ambassador yeah, host, they just they you're only doing this with the regular members, and then if someone becomes a new regular, then next year they'll be added to the rotation. Gotcha. Um, but if you miss, you, you forfeit your pick. Um, also, if it's kind of near the end of the night and your pick comes up, you can decide to defer your pick to the next night. Um, especially, um, oh, okay. Uh, well, yeah, especially if there's like a game you really wanted to play, but you know it's going to take too long, so you you can defer till next time. Or if you leave early, but you you showed up, but you had to leave early before your pick came up, then you would also just get bumped to next week. So that's the Eric Summer. So what, what do you think about the Eric Summer? It's not perfect, but it's not bad. Yeah, I think it's, it's a it's fair. Yeah, uh, maybe not to the new gamers, but it, honestly, when I was a new gamer, I, I didn't want any part of picking games. Yeah. I didn't know what I was doing, and everybody else knew the games better. So, yeah, I think it's not bad. Yeah, and I think honestly, you wouldn't have to add people in at the end of the year. If someone joined the game group like three months in, and they were coming every week, and they had games, you could just add them to the bottom of the list. I right. don't see any reason not to do that. Now we're going to go to the Paul Phillips and Paul. You know, if you happen to be listening, congratulations on uh, making the list here. So, you know, some of these, these are mostly from an obscure forum post that I found. Um, but anyways, the Paul Phillips. So the Paul Phillips is, uh, at the beginning of the night, every player nominates a single game to play. And that that nomination counts as a vote for that game. So that game, each of those games has a vote. Then, 
each player subsequently votes for a game that they didn't nominate. So if you pick Dead of Winter and I pick Cyclades, uh, I, I might vote for Dead of Winter because I, I already have technically voted for Cyclades just by nominating it. If, we both, if I voted for Cyclades, would that count for two votes? You can't vote for the same game. You have to vote for another game. That's the point. But if you voted for a game called Cyclades... Oh. And I voted for a game called Cyclades. That might, yeah, that might count as two votes. Okay, okay and then, um, and this is very easy. The game with the most votes wins. Okay, pretty straightforward. Um, now, but during later voting rounds, this is where this one gets interesting. If a game is nominated again that didn't get picked in the first round, then the votes from the first round carry, carry over. over. So it's it's more likely that, that game will get played. Um, and if if the game. If you don't renominate the game, though, then the votes reset. And if a game wins, the votes reset. So I think it's an interesting way to get games that may, maybe a lot of people don't want to play, but like I really want to play it. Like over time, throughout that game night, and this this is all just in the one game night, you know. Right. But right. there's a chance that it might get played later in the game night. The good thing about this system is that you're voting on games that are physically there, right? And so it's cleaner, but there's no negative votes. That's what's missing. Yeah, yeah, maybe one of the other systems will have that. Yeah, possibly. So that is the Paul Phillips. Any other thoughts on the Paul Phillips? No, straightforward. So, uh, so one interesting difference between the Paul Phillips and the pick list is the Paul Phillips is based on game, and the pick list is based on person, mm-hmm. which I thought was an interesting difference. Right. Now we'll go on to the Jedi music. Jedi, Jedi music. <laughs> Fascinating. The Jedi music. So in the Jedi music, this is a, probably the shortest description here. Uh, one person just picks four or five games that they want to play. Okay, so any of the games is fine with them. Um, and then each other person, that you just go around the table eliminating games until there's one left. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that one's not bad. That yeah. might be my favorite so far. Yeah, so that could be a, a really quick way to it's do it. It's fast. And then that's just for the first game. And then whoever loses the game, the ultimate loser of that game, gets to pick the next mm. game. So there's like a consolation prize for losing. You would definitely tank that instead of yeah. Project. It'd be some metagaming because you could just yeah. lose on purpose. So, but yeah, I don't know what would happen in a co-op game. I like that system. Yeah, the, the Jedi music. Well, it has Jedi in the name, so it has to be good, right? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out the tie-in, but there's no tie-in. Well, should I explain it? Jedi music was the user who uh, okay. came up with this system. All right. And now we have Sauce Boss. Sauce Boss. The name of the segment is Sauce Boss. We're very um, we like the sauce boss. Yeah, well, this was a system that we came up with. Well, to give credit where credit seed, is due, right? Seed this was the system was created by our friend Seed, aka James Tanner. Yeah, and sauce boss was probably the name sauce boss was a combination of myself and Ahmad. Ahmad, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's you know it was it was morphed. It was a it was a collaborative effort, it's an amalgamation. But the actual system of Sauce Boss developed by James Tanner, which he calls the game before the game. Although we it, what we did was more of a derivative of his idea. Like he came up with a concept, but we we polymorphed it a little bit. Yeah, Just we might a little bit. we might have changed it a little. So I'm going to explain this in two different ways because it's it could be very confusing. And this is probably the most um technical of all of the, <laughs> the yeah. systems. So I'm going to explain it with the marbles. I'm going to use a marble explanation for okay. it. So let's say you're at a game night, and the first thing you do is we, as a group, you just kind of put some games up for 
nomination. You okay. just kind of grab any amount of games. You kind of put them on the so table. So similar to Jedi music. Yeah. You pick a pile of games. But it's not just one guy. It's like everyone like everyone might pick one game that, they, right. that they're interested in. And then we go around, and you should do this every every voting system, but you, you might need to describe the games to the new people because everyone is going to participate in Sauce Boss. And so the way that I, that I like to explain this is imagine that each game has two cups in front of it, a positive cup and a negative cup. And you hand each person three marbles. And they're only allowed to put two marbles max in any one cup. So how this works is you can put two marbles in a positive. So I might put two in the positive for Dead of Winter. But then if there's a game I don't like, like Battlestar Galactica is out there, I could put one in the negative cup, which is a negative vote for Battlestar. So it'll cancel out someone else's positive marble. And so you just go through and everyone does that now. Part of Sauce Boss is it's supposed to be anonymous. And explaining it with the marble method, the only I think the only way to make it semi-anonymous would just be to make, like, say, one, two, three, go, and everyone has five seconds to drop their marbles. So you can't, you can't game the system at all. Right. You just have to do it real quick. Or you could develop an app. Yeah, but yeah, who, who does that? We're talking about board games. Right, right, of course. All right, so now, if you don't have cups and marbles available which probably don't. Um, how we usually do this is with paper and pencil. So how that translates to paper and pencil is you have three votes to spend. You can put positive or negative votes, but you only have three votes. And you can go up to neg- up to two in either positive or negative. And so you just anonymously write it on a slip of paper, um, which games. And you could do one, one, and one, or you could do one, one, and negative one, or you could do two and negative one. Or you could do negative two and negative one. Yeah, you could do all negative. And, you know, you, you fold it up and then someone tallies the votes and that, that's how you choose. That's the sauce boss. So what are your thoughts on the sauce boss? The so- we, well, we implemented it and I did make an app for it and then we never used the right. app. <laughs> the, the problem with the sauce boss system is it's a little complicated. Yeah. And we tend to want to campaign for games that we like to try to sway the vote. And it, this is the innate problem with every voting system yeah. that's out there is that uh, people who are champions of a particular game want to win the vote, just like any election. And so you can waste a lot of time doing that. Yeah. And that, that was the big problem we had with Sauce Boss. The, the concept itself is very simple and, and non-complicated. You, two, you get three votes, yeah. and you could spend it positively or negatively on any of the games. But then implement, the implementation phase is a little tricky. Yeah, and it's hard to explain to people who haven't been there or done it before. You have to always explain well, it. Well, the marble analogy is very good. You have three yeah. marbles, and you can place them positively or negatively. Yeah. Uh, but implementing it in real life is, is trickier. Yeah, and I've actually – I might make a prototype of the marble system because <laughs> I thought that would be fun. Uh but you know that's that's and I want to clarify one thing. It's not the sauce boss. It's sauce it's boss. Sauce boss. And sauce boss is a verb, not a noun. Okay. That was also decided by Ahmad. Okay. So when you're gonna vote, you say let's sauce boss. <laughs> All right. So moving on from sauce boss is the grandma. This is named after me. Interesting. You might notice. Yeah. So this I is the this that. is the system that I use at my game nights that I host at my house. My okay. game days. And it's it's kind of a selfish system because <laughs> I can see this that. is for the person who hosts game days and has a lot of unplayed games that they want to play. Mm-hmm. Okay, because the problem when you have a lot of unplayed games is not everyone wants to play those games. Right. So to convince people to do it, well, I just took that out of the equation. There's no convincing. <laughs> so how this works is there there is a trade off here. 
the host gets to choose the first game of the night. And but the caveat is they have to have that game ready to play. So it has to be set up and ready to go, and they have to have the rules ready to teach. That's pretty fair. So when people show up, you just sit down and immediately teach a game and get started. So I go. Th- I spend a lot of time doing this. I've had a game set up in my basement. I'm having a, a game day on Saturday. I've had a game set up in my basement since Sunday. That I that I, I it took me 45 minutes to set up. Don't, don't let Evan into the room. I know. I, actually, I had to put one of those child-proof door things on my doorknob to my game room to keep Evan out of my room because yeah. he would just demolish it. Yes, he would. Um, but the game is Bora Bora. If you've ever set up Bora Bora, it, it is a is a nightmare to set up. Is it like Caverna? It's it's worse than Caverna, yeah. Because well, I'm not going to get into okay. it. But there's like piles and piles of chits you have to pile up. Okay, it's way worse than Caverna. Well, not way worse, but it's worse. Um, so anyway, the the they agree to to teach the game and have it set up, and they get to pick the first game. So this allows me. I know once a month I'm going to get to play one of my unplayed games. Um, subsequent games after that go to a pick list. So we actually have a pick list. We kind of followed Eric Summer method uh maybe there might be some caveats but for the most part we have an ongoing list and whoever's turn it is just chooses i would encourage you to do jedi music for this for the subsequent games well you know this actually comes brings up a valid point you could do any method for the subsequent games yeah you know what i mean like i could take the grandma and we could do i could still pick the first game and then the rest of the games we can use whatever method we want we can we could we could change it up um so, you know, if you're that, that guy like me who has a lot of unplayed games, you might want to try the, the grandma. So the grandma is like half dictator yeah. and half any other system. Right. And I, I happen to use half pick list, but it could be others, which is right. why I put it near the end. Okay. Because it is a combination of other but – I, but I am basically the dictator. Although there could be like the jerk dictator who – he not only chooses what game you play first, but he doesn't learn the rules and he oh. doesn't set it up. Oh, yeah, that would be that would be worse. Uh, so I, you know, that's my rationale. And then finally, we have the MC Crispy, which I'm going to be honest. This is probably the method that I wish we would use at Tim's house. So I'm going to explain the MC Crispy. Okay. And this is for a group that has two tables. This this only works in a two table group. So. If you, if you don't have a two-table group, then sorry. Uh, this one's not going to work for you. So on table one, you have game of the month, all right, where you play a hot game, and you could play it in consecutive months, or maybe you just decide, but this game will be chosen ahead of time. Like, th- we're going to play this hot game that this is going to be the game of the month. So this is kind of, there's some dictatorship in here, too, because someone's going to be choosing that game. And that's the host? So... I think, yeah, the game, the host or the person providing games. So one table is definitely going to have uh, that game, the game of the month. And everyone's going to know what that is ahead of time. And then the second table is just for anyone who doesn't want to play the game of the month, uh, they just use whatever method they want to, to, to choose the game. So this is, this is kind of like, I guess it's really similar to um, the grandma now that I think about it. Um, but it's it's mostly focused on playing like a hot game on one table and everyone knows it ahead of time. So what do you think of the MC Crispy? I don't know how you define game of the month. That's my only issue with the MC Crispy. But as long as the host is deciding it and there's two tables, 
you know, whatever the host wants to put, it doesn't matter. If you want to opt out, you could play in the other table. So Yeah, but but I think the understanding is that, you know, I think the game of the month really should be a hot game. Not, I think this is what differentiates this from the grandma, is it's really supposed to be a hot game, a game that everyone wants to play. Mm-hmm. So, like, Dead of Winter is a perfect example, because last game night, every single person wanted to play that. Right. Um, so... And if we didn't have time to play it twice that night, then that would be the hot game. We might we might decide that's the hot game for the next two months. We're going to play that game. Right. The difference between that and the grandma is the grandma. I could just choose whatever game I want, and people are stuck playing it. It doesn't right. have to be a hot game. Like I've got games on my shelf that are like ten years old. They're not hot, but I want to play them. And you know, right. you're coming to my house and playing my game, so suck it up. Right. Well, the other big difference is the two table. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, uh, yeah, true. The grandma could just be one table, whereas this is this is two tables. Um, so that's the MC Crispy. So I don't know. What do you? What's your favorite of all those? I, you know, I like Jedi music. The Jedi music. I, you yeah. know, that surprised me actually. I know. I, what makes you like the Jedi music? I think it's speed. Once again, yeah. Just cost is speed for me. So one person pulls out four or five games, and then you just. You go around and everybody eliminates one until there's one left. Yeah, that's quick. It's quick. Yeah. See, it's interesting because it's our own selfish motivations that drive what makes us like yeah, any like, particular I just, method. I just want to play. I, yeah. this, this, the spinning and not uh, making a decision really gets to me. Yeah. <clears throat> See, I lean towards either the grandma or the MC Crispy because my my goal is to play my unplayed games. And those both allow me to do that. Or and, and they allow me to do it. The MC Plus it takes voting out of the equation unless yeah. you do what you want. <laughs> Actually the the grandma is probably my favorite, of course. Because well, gee whiz. Because I'm always the one choosing. Whereas MC Crispy, the game of the month is gonna be probably a collective thing. Like we decide what the hot game is. Yeah, you can't have that. Well it would be ahead of time. No, I wanna decide. Right. Exactly. So, you know, my selfish motivations make me like those methods the best. Right. So, you know, let us know what method sounds best to you. Or if you have a voting system that you guys use, we really want to hear it. Because, to be honest, we we don't really do any of these consistently. I think we do Sauce Bus the most. But no. some, a lot of times it just it comes to the, the um, what, what do we call it? The consensus. The, in, the informal consensus. Right. Which is horrible. It is. Horrible. Well, I think that wraps up uh, episode seven. Yes, it does. We'll, uh, we covered all the topics we'll that we needed to. I don't think uh, I think we got everything done, and uh, it's uh, time to say goodnight, everyone. Wait, wait, did we forget? Oh, we have a contest. We might have forgot that. That's right. We have right. to announce the winner. We have to announce the winner in the final round. Who, who of the, is, who's left of the werewolf giveaway? So the team that is left is Team Battlestar Galactica. Who consists of L. Coffee, aka the Toaster, the Toaster, and R. Two Buyers, aka the Old Man, the Old Man, and who's the winner? Is it going to be L. Coffee or R. Two Buyers? More on that now. In three, two, one, the winner of what's the game? One Night Ultimate Werewolf and the other stuff is R. Two Buyers, the, the Old Man. man. Congratulations. You know, the old man deserves it. He went through a lot. He did. He did go through a lot. He kept the Battlestar together, kept the crew together. He, he took them through thick and Things thin. Things are going to fall apart. He, he, he rescued, well, actually, I think he got rescued. No, he rescued people from Caprica, New Caprica. Right. He's yeah. the man, He's the old the man. 
R2 Buyers. R2 Buyers, congratulations on your win. And I guess, uh, you know, we'll uh, read R2 Buyers' question because it's a very, very simple question. It was, what is the name of your intro song that opens up the podcast? The song that you're going to hear in about 30 seconds. That would be Tulane Blacktop by Rob Zombie. All right, deserved. So thank you, Rob Zombie, <laughs> for your uh, contribution to the show. I'm sure you're listening right now. Rob Zombie. Zombie. That's right. True. Yeah, Dead of Winter. The tie-in. So thanks for everyone who joined our contest. We really appreciate you guys joining and listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode. And we hope to have a new contest coming up soon. Sometime. Yeah. We'll see what we can do. We'll see if we can finagle another company into sending us some free stuff. And uh, if you haven't joined our guild yet, we are very, very extremely close to being in the top 50% of guild members. So go out to our, if you don't know how to join the guild, which we probably should have explained last time, go out to our website, outofgamepodcast.com, and click the little Board Game Geek Dude, which will take you directly to our guild where there'll be a, a link a link right there that says join the guild. We seriously, I'm not even joking, need, I think, two more members to get in the top 50%, which is really important to us. And what's our Twitter and Facebook? Twitter is at OOG Podcast. Yep, and Facebook is the same. Or you can email us at outofgamepodcast at gmail.com. We're going to be reading questions that came from the contest, but... We would love, love, love to have an ongoing list of questions so we can make this something we do in every episode is is answer a question from a listener. Plus, we want it to be very community-oriented. We want everybody to be sitting here with us at the table. Right. Asking questions, participating in the discussion. Right. And everyone who joined our contest, you're all at the table with us. And we're at a huge table right now. We are. There's and, plenty of room for more. And we should point out the other questions that were asked we will. Yep, those will be featured in future episodes. So, anyways, thanks everyone for listening and good night. Good night.